yeah, so you guys both watched this last week, right? Isaac, did you rewatch it or? Yes, I did rewatch it and wasn't at all like finishing it off when we were trying to talk and stuff. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that, that explains some things, but. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the Planet Eater. Yeah, so I, I guess we can. I was going to give a little bit of a, a spiel about what I thought of it before we started the movie, but I guess since we're running a little bit late now, might as well just start it and all say it during that little opening kind of recap that we get. So if you can all get your copies to timestamp zero. Are you watching, Caleb, are you watching, uh, what is it called? Are you watching the English version? Uh, no, it, the Japanese one. Okay. I guess I could put on the English one, but ah, screw it. <laughs> I mean, why, why don't I put it on the English one? I don't know, just because your your reaction is a little better than mine. Let's put it that way. Uh, but we'll, we'll hit play in three, two, one, play. Netflix. Netflix. Wow, for whatever reason, mine just jumped right to five seconds. <laughs> this is not a Netflix original anime film. It is not. They just got the rights to uh, to distribute it. Are you guys at the Toho Animation logo yet? Yep. Yes. Okay. But that's how most of the quote-unquote Netflix things are, and which which doesn't really matter to me one way or the other, whether it's acquiring the rights or actually financing uh, so during this little recap here, I'll just say, when I first watched these three movies, I didn't really like the first movie. I liked the second movie a whole lot more because of the Mothra stuff. But this one just left me completely perplexed. And I was like, wow, I I don't want to judge on a first viewing, but like I can understand why people don't like these movies after seeing this finale. So, <laughs> so I'm very curious to hear what you guys think. My opinions change a little bit on the three watches that I've had, but... From what I can tell, this is definitely the one that puts people off the most of this group. Broke people. Broke people, yeah. Eric, what did you think of this movie? Well, maybe initially. <laughs> maybe it's a little early to start, but... I guess there's not much to say over this little kind of recap that we get, but... I don't know. My feelings... Maybe I'll go into it more a little bit later, but... I kind of have them all smushed together now in my mind. Like... Hmm. I mean... Yes, I can separate them into the three parts and think of them separately, but to me, that's, I don't know. It doesn't, it's, it's all just one big story. I don't know. Um, yeah. I guess I could, if I had to choose a favorite, I think I know which one I'd choose, but I don't, I think it's neither here nor there, regardless of what I think is my favorite. Right. I still just think of it as one big hole because. I don't really feel like any of these parts can really stand up on their own. Um, yeah. Like the way, let's just say the original Star Wars trilogy, each individual part can definitely stand up on its own if you want it to. Um, but this, it has to be all or nothing, I guess. Mm. And if this was something that was, you know, these three parts were released fairly close in proximity, whether in Japan or on Netflix or whatever, if they were spread out like a three years intervals, oh, hell no. That would just be completely unbearable um, for something like this. By the way, I love this opening here. It makes it feel like, like a piece of Enter the Void or something, which is like almost surrealist imagery. Yes. Yes, it does feel like Enter the Void. This is what CGI can do. This is This is like... 
I'm praising that. Like, this is what CGI should be doing more often. I have had mushroom trips that look like this. I'll just say. <laughs> Super overwhelming and scary mushroom trips that look like this. <laughs> I could not imagine. But I, I, I love it. Experiencing something like this, like, just mentally. Um, even if it was under the influence or whatever, I could not even imagine. Except, of course, in mushroom trips, there's entities floating around in that stuff that you can feel are there that feel like they're living distinct entities. So that's even more scary. But <laughs> but anyway. But yeah, here we go. Jumping, jumping right into it. Isaac, I'm curious what you thought, because this is such a, again, kind of a divisive movie. Yes. I kind of wanted to get kind of our initial thoughts right off there's the bat. some yeah there's some discord with discourse with this movie um as uh gene gray once said in the famous x-men apocalypse movie uh third ones are bad or what <laughs> i don't remember what she said i only <laughs> saw that movie in 2016 once and you know <laughs> that it was a terrible line um mm -hmm. no this is uh I, I don't know if this is my favorite favorite but like I mean, this whole trilogy is is great, and I see it more as one piece than each separate, as as Eric kind of mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. I like this one. I, I very much am pro this movie, uh, and accept the ending and all that uh, it entails. Are there problems? Oh yeah, I, th I think there might be some problems, but uh, right off the bat, everybody just think about this for now. This is a this is a university peer reviewed uh, paper. Mm, interesting. Yeah, definitely. That, that's one of the reasons I think this movie kind of alarms viewers so much is the first two, even though we spend a lot of time setting things up, eventually kind of just turn into straight action pieces for the end, kind of like war movies. Yep. This one's like, OK, we've already done all that stuff. Let's just kind of do like a surrealist think piece on morality. And the whole basically core of the movie is a character deciding what he's going to be as a as a person. And I think that's, you know, pretty a pretty bold choice. And so much of it feels like completely trapped in almost like a little surrealist pocket. We're just jumping through all these little flashes. But maybe maybe I'm getting to it too early. So this stuff's still kind <laughs> yes. of straightforward. But <laughs> I don't know if this works, what I'm about to say, but maybe this will make sense to Caleb. I don't know. But so if I was to relate this whole story or this trilogy, let's Let's just say I'm relating it to Star Trek, the motion picture on its own. Yep. Mm. Mm. This part three of this trilogy would be to me, if we get to the end of Star Trek, the motion picture, and we get down mm -hmm. to getting to the satellite spoiler for Star Trek, we get to the satellite mm -hmm. and we got Kirk there and we have Decker and we have bones. And I don't, was Spock there? He wasn't there, was he? Uh, but anyway, we at least had for sure Bones and Kirk and Decker, and then they have a conversation before before the end, the very end. Part mm -hmm. three of this movie or this trilogy is if, is if you split the motion picture to three parts, and the whole third part was just dedicated to that last bit mm -hmm. in the movie, and that would be a bit much. I don't know that I can handle that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like how this is. I mean, or, I don't know. This popped in my head listening to what you were saying. And I don't think I could focus on that for 50 minutes plus. Just on that one part of Star Trek The Motion Picture. 
It's funny you bring up the motion picture because I kept thinking that this feels like like it's its own little take on like 2001 type of story. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, things are relatively straightforward, even though they're slow. And then eventually it jumps off and it just spirals off into the you're entering the monolith period. Yeah. And again, I can I can totally see why people don't appreciate that with this movie. But I think it works okay for what that is. And I still enjoy all the characters and I still love the visuals so I can kind of hold on to it. But I can see why it would totally lose people and that stuff. Just like 2001 does and just like the motion picture does as well. So I think that's one of the least liked of the Star Star Trek movies. It depends. But you and I have had this conversation before on 2001 and the motion picture. And you talk about how much you love 2001 and the motion picture. And I really like them too. But I don't like them as much as you. And I know we're going to talk more about the motion picture someday in the future. But (laughs) as much as I do like most of that movie, like I like most of 2001, it has bothered me since I was a kid that I can enjoy that movie. But when it finally gets to the climax and the ultimate resolution, it's always bothered me Mm -hmm. that that's all it was in the motion picture. Hmm. I enjoy the ride. I hate where we end up ultimately. It just seems so lame to me. Like the final resolution. Yeah, we'll definitely discuss it one day. That's my favorite Star Trek movie. (laughs) So. (laughs) Right. I love it until we get to the end. Please tell me Wrath of Khan is like number two. I think it's a fantastic movie. What'd you say, Isaac? Please tell me Wrath of Khan is like your second favorite Star Trek film. Oh, yes. I mean, there's no question. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, those two. And then, I don't know what. Everything else in order. Three, four, five, six. Oh, no. There's... Yeah, probably four and then maybe beyond even. And I don't oh, know. Oh, no. There, there's, there's plenty. Okay, okay. This is, this, is, this is Star Trek. Let's, uh, let's, this is Godzilla. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Pardon me for interjecting there. Yeah, so, yeah, we find out that Yuko, I guess, is kind of done. She's... She's essentially brain dead here, which is kind of surprising. Speaking of brain dead, I had a brain dead moment where I didn't realize <laughs> that her skin is also blue. And I didn't realize that the nanometal had like formed around her, like into her skin, uh, even though that it was clearly done last movie. But like you could see all like it going through her veins and her in her face. But then like her neck is completely blue. It's only because her shirt's blue. That's why I didn't realize she wasn't wearing sleeves. Those are her actual like arms. You can see the cutoff line where her shoulders are. Oh, and since we kind of talked over some of this stuff, I guess we should talk a little bit about the uh, current state of the world at this point for them. Yes, what's happened on the 4,400, 4, 4, I mean, uh, uh, the 100, I mean, whatever, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, the 100, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so down on, or up in the ship, yeah, complete kind of chaos. The Bill Saludo are like, oh, you guys screwed us over. The Bill Saludo was going to bring us to victory, but you crazy humans and your emotions fucked us. Well... At least, how do he was the one responsible for that? Well, we see like that one scientist on the council is completely on Haro's side and kind of sees the danger of the Bula Saludo technology, which we'll discuss at the end of this movie, how they kind of resolve the two alien factions, I think is kind of callous of the, the franchise. Ooh. Both the Exus and the Bula Saludo are both kind of like completely shit on and basically went extinct. <laughs> Maybe not the Exifs. I get the sense that the Exifs are out there trying to bring their religion all over the, the galaxy, but yep. at least the Bill Saludo, since this was kind of like their arc ship, 
they probably go extinct at the end of this movie. Yeah, basically. Yeah, but in the but in at the end of the day, what the whole thing's about, um, both the alien species they just have a, a purpose to serve in the story. And once yeah. you get the whole story, it's neither really here nor there. Because they just represent archetypes. They just represent mm-hmm. extreme um uh elements of humanity is really all they are. Um and so once they serve their purpose in the overall big narrative, it doesn't really matter, I guess, what happens after that. Yeah, and I I guess if you really think about the story at the end, you know, go ahead a hundred years and probably the human race will cease to exist too, because they're just gonna breed with these moth people. So <laughs> so I guess yeah, the the species themselves don't really matter by the end of it, but but yeah, but back here on the planet, the Exodus kind of cult has really taken root with the people. They all kind of view the conquering of the Mechagodzilla city as like a religious moment, or at least most of the people that we see. So yeah, now we're definitely focusing on the Exif side of the, the story here. Which I think it was a cool idea to separate the three races into kind of three focus movies. I thought that was a cool concept for it. It's been years since I actually read the Harry Potter novels properly. And back when I did, I was, Mm. I would dedicate a lot of thought to just kind of reflecting on them, sorting them out in my head. Like when I read them and now Caleb, I was it you, you haven't really seen them all and you definitely haven't read them. Is that right? No, no, I've, I've read them all and, and seen them all. Oh, okay. My bad. Isaac, how familiar are you with all that Harry Potter stuff? After I saw Goblet of Fire in theaters, uh, I was hooked. It was, uh, I had not seen any, I had seen Prisoner of Azkaban in grade six when they showed it to us uh, during class. And I was kind of just uninterested in it. Wow. Um, Not not that I hated it. I just, I didn't. didn't So after your Goblet of Fire uh, experience, you went, I guess, and watched it all or something? I, no, I like went like complete, like, like deep dive, like read every single book. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. So anyway, so then both of you are fairly familiar then. And I'm just going off memories because it's been years since I was reading this stuff seriously. But I'm a little rusty, but yeah. How I'm going to compare it to what Caleb just said to this is that um, because you were just talking about how in the previous movie, obviously they were going going along with the the pseudo whatever um, ideology or way of thinking. And then now as a result of the aftermath, now they're going EXIF in this. And that just reminded me of back when I was reading Harry Potter seriously and taking it all in. I can't remember exactly how it went, but somewhere around books four, five, six, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is going off memory. So there was like a lot of politics going on in those books um, um, by J.K. Rowling and, and how the Wizarding World was reacting to the Death Eaters coming back and all the terrorist things that were starting to happen in, in the universe of the, the movie and the books. And if I remember, at one point, their reaction of dealing with everything in books four, five, or six, at one point, they go like far left, the Wizarding World, and then like that all blows up in their face. And then they go like hard right and like in the next book. And then that kind of doesn't work either. And then they just kind of don't know what to do. Do y'all have any recollection of that? 
from your reading of the books, or maybe you weren't thinking about it in those terms. Yeah, uh, you're referring to you're referring to book. F- I don't remember the far left part, but I do remember book five. They go super hard right, where they kind of, at least in terms of like the representatives are you know right wing figures. It's not exactly right wing politics, but they kind of plug their ears and they're like, no, of course Harry's a crazy man. Nothing could change. It's all the same. And let's crush down any sort of opposing view. Right. Which seems right wing, at least in my opinion. Rather than me saying right or left, maybe I should say they go from like bearish to hawkish or whatever. However you want to frame that. But but politically, they go from one extreme to the other because they're just trying to deal with the situation. And I don't know. You just reminded me of all that business uh, when you were talking Mm -hmm. about what's going on with the humans here. Interesting. It went this way. Oh, crap. That didn't work. So now we're going to go the opposite way and uh, see what happens. Yeah, and in, in some ways we have, because in, in Harry Potter 2, eventually we learn that some of the people who are on that kind of, oh, we don't believe that Voldemort's backside were actually secret Voldemort supporters. That was oh, yeah. all in, kind of that was all in Chamber of Secrets? No, not Chamber Chambers, of Secrets. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, the, the Order of the Phoenix is when they were like, Harry's crazy, nothing no one came back. Harry's just making it all up. He really killed uh, Cedric Diggory. But in then six and seven, we realized that some of the people who were saying that stuff were actually Death Eaters who were just yes. feeding misinformation. Yes. Yes. So Metfees here is kind of playing that role where he knows that the stuff that he's saying is not true, but he's just tricking all these humans into kind of pushing towards his purpose. But, but go ahead. Has, yes, right. yeah. He has an ethereal... Uh, yeah ulterior motive as it were um yeah in in some of the like in in forget if when fudge was minister fudge was introduced in the books i think it was either two or three uh yeah it was either secrets or azkaban he was introduced i think it may have been azkaban i think about i know he he was in four because then we would have known who that was uh because they introduce um barty crouch and jr and army the doctor and then like (laughs) diggory which they should have introduced Diggory and but prisoner, but whatever. That's just fandom. Now we're getting right in the details. Sorry, you know? yeah, but yeah, Fudge went to being like he seemed like a like a reasonable authority figure in like two books, two and or three and four, right? And then in five, they just completely like make him uh, a straw man, like, and and yeah, the Death Eaters like Lucius Malfoy is in the Minister of Magic. They, that is so good. Like that is perfect setup, by the way, that we are introduced to him in book two. And then he's just through like, you know, he's, he's Malfoy, uh, Malfoy's dead. Um, it's just, it, it works so perfectly. Um, and then like by the end of book five, when like he sees Voldemort, um, he gets replaced in the next one by um, Rufus, whatever his name is. I don't remember his last name, mm-hmm. but Rufus, uh, that guy there. I think it's yeah, it's a it, weird name. Yeah, it's uh, it's what, what's his face? Um, it's uh, yeah, David Bill Jones. Nye plays him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird performance by Bill Nye too, and he he's usually strange, but that performance especially is very strange. Yeah, because he couldn't plays it very straight. Uh, uh, I don't know about that. But... I don't know. That's that's that, that to each their own. But yeah, basically, they the, the Minister of Magic gets calls off of Harry's back afterwards. But anyway, so uh, Bill Saluto. Yeah, the Bill Saluto are basically like. Okay, since you guys, you know, kind of destroyed our chance of taking over humanity initially, and we feel like maybe we're not being trusted as much, and there's they're a minority on the council. So yeah, they just decided to take like a terrorist act and 
take control of the ship part of it at least so definitely breaking down the alliances that we saw were pretty shaky at the start of this franchise or this this series i should say franchise <laughs> well i mean there are shorts apparently out there which i don't know if you'd count Relate those. to this yeah oh apparently really? i think so i'll have to look that up later but i'm pretty sure there is let's see yeah, i guess there's a prequel novel so it is, it is like its own little pocket it's called but... godzilla mmd basically i don't know about where it comes from yeah, yeah it's not godzilla medical show <laughs> <It's only. laughs> and again I, I i do wish that we had a little bit more i mean i get that this is so allegorical with this, the different species but i kind of wish that we saw some challenging of authority within the bill of saludo maybe some of them being a little bit more like oh no we don't have to but again they're, they're just meant to represent like the technological side of humanity and the the need to uh kind of advance in that regard hive mind hive mind no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah like, like you guys said they're just meant to represent certain aspects of humanity so now i'm gonna throw i, I just open the harry potter can of worms let me open another can of worms <laughs> To relate to all sure. this, go for it, Carrie. Go, go for it, Eric. I have no problem with this. <laughs> so I don't know how much you guys have read the Bible, uh, but I'm just going to use that as a comparison. In the beginning, God created the because earth. overall, you know, <laughs> it seems like a big criticism of this trilogy is that people don't really connect too much with any particular characters. Um, people feel like, hmm. in general, the characters in throughout this trilogy are two-dimensional. They're not really fleshed out. They're very simplistic. Um, they're, they're simplistic versions of characters who are more interesting in other series. For instance, like whatever Haru, whatever his name is, like people will say, oh, he's a less interesting version of the protagonist from Attack on Titan, for instance. Um, he's just a blander version that you care less about because you don't really know that much more about him. He doesn't have a particularly unique persona or anything. He just seems like a homogenized hero type from an anime or something. And and yeah, and like we don't really get into the nuances too much, really, with like the humans or the Belsudo or the Exif, except for like the Exif leader or whatever. Um, you don't really know or hear of anything else of any other EXIF individuals. Um, and I think it's because this whole story and the way it's told over the course of the trilogy, it's just interested in the broad strokes. It's just interested in the broad themes. It's not really interested in the nitty gritty. And that's sort of like how the Bible's written, whatever part uh, you want to look at well to be fair i'm more familiar with the old testament i'm not that familiar with the new testament but whatever particular storyline you want to follow in the old testament it doesn't get into like crazy nuance on particular characters or situations it's just it wants to tell the broad strokes the broad themes that's what it really wants you to focus on generally speaking um it doesn't get into like very particular characterizations of certain people. You just learn the broad strokes of certain key figures. Um, it doesn't, it's, you know, it's not like a, a tradition, obviously not like a traditional novel or anything. It's not like that. It's just, it just, and so to me, this is kind of like a Bible approach of storytelling that 
it's mm. not interested in those particulars. And, and that can be off-putting because aside from the Bible, there, I mean, I'm sure there's other examples out there, but there's, there's not too many, I don't think, that are just only interested in the broad strokes of things. Um, and I don't know. I think that's part of the turnoff and part of why it's not appealing because it is very non-traditional uh, storytelling. Well, just to just to kind of counter that slightly, I've been recently watching the Andromeda Strain, uh, the original movie, and then the TV movies, and Michael Crichton writes like all of his characters in that same kind of broad strokes. <laughs> like it's not real; they just exist to move the plot along. But, but no, I definitely see what you're saying, and I, I guess I can kind of get the the Bible comparison. I, I wouldn't have gone to that one, but <laughs> well, yeah, it just popped in my. I mean, because again, nobody. Or usually you don't read the Bible as like like a page turner in the traditional sense, you know, um, like a, what's his name? Whoever wrote the Da Vinci Code. Um, Dan Brown. Yeah, because Dan, does he know how to write a page turner? Like, I mean, his style. <laughs> um, and obviously the way the Bible's written is like the antithesis of that. And uh, that's why I feel like this is the antithesis to what people usually want or and or expect. Again, if there was, it would never happen. But if there was like some MCU movie that was as esoteric as this, where we never delved deeply into any of the characters and it was just about the big themes and nothing else, and there was only one action piece at the end of the movie and that was it, I mean, that would probably be the, the like the worst performing MCU movie ever. It'd, it'd probably be the biggest bomb of all if, if they ever did such a thing. Um, which they wouldn't. I, I, I don't know, Isaac. How do you how do you feel to handle Haru? I guess we could talk about this scene briefly right here. Yes, as uh, there's potential connecting of life, but as <laughs> people nowadays would point out, it's not exactly in the most right way done, if that makes sense, because it's a reverse where instead of it being from the usual side it's the other way around okay i know i'm like getting well that was i don't even think that matters about which side it's coming from i know (laughs) but some people have a problem with that so this is the one of the twins he doesn't sleep with right this is melina maybe uh yes because she doesn't know how to take the suit off that's the point there yes so both the twins both of them try to sleep with them but only one of them succeeds and then he eventually Pregnates that one. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, I didn't well. even realize it was with a different sister. Um, yes. This is the one that scowls. The other one is the one that we first see in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I thought it was reversed. <laughs> no, because but, she yeah. knows how to turn. Because the first one, she knows how to. Because Melissa knows how to take off the suit, whereas <laughs> Marina here doesn't. Yeah, I know. I botched that couple of names. I know it's not. Listen, I'm differentiating the two. I get you. (laughs) Yeah, so this is Melissa. She's the one that scowls. Then Melina's the one that, like, doesn't scowl. Yes, we get this, yeah, kind of unusual scene there where she's talking about what it means to succeed and what it means to, or what it means to win, what it means to lose. Because he's he's kind of still hung on the fact of, like, oh, like, I can't lose to Godzilla, basically. I can't. Lonely man theme. Lonely man theme. (laughs) Uh, but it, and that, of course, ends up being like a big thing by the end of the movie, the whole concept of what it means to actually win and lose. But but just to focus on what Eric was saying about the broad strokes, 
I do think that they really try to give a lot of impact to the Haru character. Like me and Isaac discussed how they really focus on building up, building up as a leader in the first two movies. Then this one's kind of his kind of fall where he doesn't feel like he is a leader anymore. doesn't know what he wants. And the whole basically climax of the movie relies on what his choice is going to be about how to act as a leader. Yeah. So we do try to give him something. I'm not sure how well it comes across. No, 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 no. But but you do get things like that in the Bible. Like, obviously, there's focus on people like Abraham or Moses or, or Jesus himself. That being said, though, we hear about the key moments about their lives or their their whatever, um, but we don't really get into like really knowing. Like, I mean, the way it's written, we don't really get yeah. into knowing the characters or their inner dialogue or how they actually interact, like in a scene, because it's not written like that. Um, so, so even though we may focus on him, he can still come across as two dimensional in, in a way. Um, even if we understand his major motivations and, and things like that. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm sure Isaac, we've talked about it a couple times, but when I first became religious, yeah, I read the Bible front to back. And then when I stopped being religious, I read it front to back. So it's kind of a, a fun little uh, kind of bookend for my religious experience. But <laughs> so, yeah, this is when we get the other one, right? This It, it is a little confusing. I'm not sure which one this is. Yeah, this is this is Marina. I totally didn't realize. I thought it was just like a second attempt or something. No, I'm pretty Fiona. sure this is Marina. Me yeah. thinks. Yeah, see? Yeah, it, it definitely is. But yeah, and I guess they're both doing it because they realize that this is what they need to do for like the telepathic connection later in the thing. That's what I'm assuming. They don't exactly make it clear, but... Maybe the only way that the scientists and her are able to communicate with him when he's with uh, Metfees when they're talking through uh, the Mothra egg is because they fuck here. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm assuming that's what it I is. I didn't even consider that either. I just took it as things that happened that, that happened in other sci-fi type things. Um, like uh, if you all have seen Under the Skin, um, mm. the alien character is just sort of doing it just at, almost as like an anthropological study um, of humans. Uh, it's not the same. There is some romantic connection, but it reminds me of the hookup in Cocoon. I don't know how familiar you, you are. <laughs> you guys are with that movie. Um, <laughs> now, if they feel like it's something they have to do because they're compelled, then maybe it starts turning into something like species or alien oh. resurrection <laughs> yeah, i don't know if i can <laughs> there was also the movie well it's not exactly there's the movie life force as well um, prometheus oh life force there you go prometheus Love watching that movie away. um so I, eh, it's just, I don't care about the plot, but I love watching Life so Force. It, it's, a, it's a combination of just anthropological study as well as experimentation, as well as perhaps this is the way to the future. You know, it's all science. I mean, that's what I say. I mean, 
after I drop the roofie, and then we we wake up the next day, and oh, I was God. Saying, it was it was just it was an anthropological experiment. That's I was just Jesus wept. trying to learn more about you and the female kind. It is unusual because it seems like this version here, this twin that's currently dealing with Metfees, Melissa, was the one that <laughs> was the one that had a real connection to uh, Haro, but. It's kind of strange. I guess they're both in love with him in a way, or at least have some sort of connection to him. Because even later, when we see that one of them's pregnant, and they're all, we, we kind of see the spoilers, Hatsuo people kind of metaphorically or, or at least symbolically hooking up with the humans. We kind of get little still images of that. We still see just the two twins with him. So it's kind of like he's hooking up with the two of them. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well. It's interesting little little dynamic we got going on here. <laughs> the the way I read it, and this is kind of a thing is in writing. Um, it's it's sort of a it's it's this shared mind idea where these twins are connected, so <laughs> they almost have the idea of they can scry and see each other's thoughts and feelings. Synthesia potentially yes. they can they can sense their other their their other twins sense. They can tell if they're in pain. I don't know if it goes to the point of if one dies, the other dies. I don't know if it gets that close, but uh, you know, go ahead. Just, just do that. Something about that scene there, just the way that Metfees was like approaching her and the way she was reacting, it, it felt almost like it was some sort of little, like almost assault scene, like a little bit of sexual assault. It was supposed to be an assault scene because they, well, according to some people, they they brush over the fact of the other assault scene that happened off screen. Which one was that? Well, the one that just happened between Haru and uh, Mar- Marina. Oh, p- people consider that an assault scene? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because because Marina coaxed Haru to... Um, oh, yeah. that's interesting. That's that's what people are thinking. Uh, sp- given the whole, like, life continues, and they, they, they continue um, a soon-to-be character in the... In, in, in our other channel where she boasts about how doing nothing is no yeah well b- both both uh another character and uh another person's lifestyle oh, or personality boy. of doing nothing is is better than you know losing uh, if that because i'm getting too obscure there yeah well <laughs> if you get it you get it but they hide they hide the assault with this where he's boiling melissa alive which is creepy oh but I do like that we get that that interaction between the two of them where she's like, hey, like all this time you've been able to read our thoughts and you haven't said anything. And that's, you know, really signaling that he's been just reading everyone's mind basically this whole time and being this subtle manipulator. So it's because he was always a little bit ominous, but we didn't quite realize the full extent until we get to this movie about how much they've been just slowly pushing people in their direction. The two kind of exif uh, leaders. And I did actually during this movie, I was like, are there other exits? I feel like these are the only two that we've seen, but there's only two. No, we actually do see uh, several others. Oh, that's right. Kind of hidden in the background. So I didn't realize it wasn't until one scene where I was like, oh, yeah, there they are. But <laughs> we do really only focus on the two of them. So that's not super helpful. Yes. The archbishop and the bishop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we see their their numbers swelling their little cult. By the way, did. Did you guys feel like the animation was slightly different in this one compared to the last two? I feel like maybe they upgraded their engine, and so it just has a slightly different... I'll uh, get to that. 
I will I will get to the elephant in the room, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention enough, so I didn't I didn't notice. I don't know I don't know if Eric knows about this. Caleb, I assume you know the, the, the big elephant in the room, right? Nope. Okay, well we'll get we'll get to that when it shows up. Because it's it's hard to miss. And it's about like is it a different studio or is it, I'm I'm confused. No, it's something else entirely that also um that, that a lot of people are not happy with. Oh, I'm so curious now. God damn. <laughs> I don't know what this scene is about when Mephles is doing his uh his preach right now when he's preaching to the people, but it almost looks hand drawn. There's a yes, few yes. There's a few moments Absolutely. where this and there there are hand drawn scenes and I'm like, that is amazing. That's what feels so different. It's some of this does feel hand especially the backgrounds in particular on the planet, a lot of that stuff. But yeah, some of the character designs like oh, right here. Feet. Right here, at least the scene I'm looking at right now. As there, you know, only God can defeat Godzilla. Um, it just looks like his face is hand drawn. I'm like, that's fast and it doesn't look but it doesn't look uncanny. At least Yeah, and it's funny because we keep jumping to the older EXIF, and the EXIF is clearly the CGI version. Yes. And we cut back, and it almost looks hand-drawn. Yeah, it's a very strange dynamic, seeing the two back-to-back like that. Sets them apart, maybe. It's just unusual. So you're saying the younger one looks hand-drawn? Yeah. Yeah, this one distinctly stands out, in my opinion, uh, between the last two. In terms of the uh, the look of the animation, I don't know if it looks hand drawn, but as as much as it just looks flat, I guess when I say yeah. hand drawn, I mean like it's it's drawn like with a digital pen rather than yeah. it being like a computer model. Yeah, maybe more two D. Yes. By the way, I think the well, uh, net fees again two D. I see it does look two D, but um, I don't know about the other part. Yeah, I think the Met Feast design is it's kind of hot in this one. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's the bad boy uh, routine, but oh boy, I'm tuning over here a little bit. Fair enough. Maybe it's all this wine. <laughs> also, I could have. I, I just assume naturally that Eric went to the place of the Bible because you know they're talking about God in this movie. Yeah, there's definitely a huge religious overtone. No, no, no. That wasn't. That wasn't really why. That's. It's just a coincidence. Yeah, it's just a coincidence because because I otherwise I'll. Otherwise, I don't. I can't really think of a way to ex- to explain or justify the way the characters are written um, and not deeply explored. Um, now, speaking of the the Bible, does this bit feel like the Ark of the Covenant scene from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? This whole movie is absolutely just the Ark of the Covenant, or sorry, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, specifically with like part of the end. Except they've got their eyes closed. If only they would have had them open, maybe they would have noticed uh, a little reverse of the Ark of the Covenant. But they're supposed. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> well, I didn't. You're right. I mean, this is like that for sure. It's not golden years. It's golden death. David Bowie lied to me. <laughs> How dare you? It's kind of a fun reference. I do like that we see the kind of traditional Ghidorah there or Ghidorah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we we well. Sort of. Uh, well, a little bit more traditional than what we see later. That's what which is again he's a giant complaint. It, well, uh, yeah. well, what's the giant complaint? Oh, I've seen people rage about uh, the the Ghidorah, fuck, Ghidorah uh, design. Oh, for this movie. Okay. 
People are not happy that we always saw were those kind of dragon heads. So I guess I'll go into it now. Do you know? Do you know the back? Do you know why? Nope. This is insane to think about, but Ghidorah broke the engine. Uh, like the reason the entire like we only have three heads through the entire like last part of the movie is Ghidorah was so incredibly sophisticated to animate his model broke the team's engine oh wow so they had to like completely rework and they couldn't like they they had that what you see like what you see with the final like with with the heads that's all and and with the the silhouette beforehand that's all we got of him because it broke it it broke polygon like it legitimately broke polygon this being from another dimension that's that's interesting broke a studio <laughs> they never recovered they went flat uh, they bank they went bankrupt after this it was like orion pictures <laughs> yes for you know what, what what's what's pacific rim the black <laughs> um so is this an excuse to state oh it's okay that this ending you know is is what it is because it's only three heads and not the entire being there was gonna be a an actual model that would have fought godzilla and not just heads Hmm. and then then the like model broke the system by the way i really like this scene here when it destroys a ship it feels so chaotic with so many ideas being thrown at us just in exposition um that it's like almost a little overwhelming like it's hard to keep up with what they're saying but i still think it's a super cool scene and they have some cool ideas about how just you know the gravity of this thing works and the fact that it's almost not there that they're like looking at an illusion but it's still drastically affecting them and it's happening in the future slightly (laughs) like it's like maybe like 20 seconds ahead it's it's so they can (laughs) see they can see gidra but they can't the none of the sensors on their equipment can detect him and because of his super gravity as he usually has in this version it's like you know i i, I don't know why people i i assume people have made the uh comparison to jj abrams where it's what is it it's it's whatever but on steroids or something <laughs> what's what, what what's people make fun of him with what's it called again Either, either way, whatever. But it's on steroids. So super gravity is on steroids because he's a fourth dimensional being. His super gravity distorts space, which we'll see later. Um, and thus it's it's basically bending space time. And so like time as a concept in this third dimension right now is completely warped. It's great. And I love this. Look! Look at how uh, like the EXIF leader there. He's like completely in awe. He's just like a religious, religious, overwhelming experience, which is pretty cool. But, but I love when she's like, "There's no life signs in the bridge." Like, oh fuck! <laughs> like, even though we're still so, here, there's no life signs. Oh my, Shindaru. And then boom. Yeah, I think that even though I, I think that scene, Nani, maybe it wasn't the the best executed because it was just like so much happening at once, like. You almost couldn't keep up with the the subtitles. At least I couldn't when I was watching it, and so it was kind of like a little bit overwhelming. 
but it was still just super cool. It's funny on my second time, like I found I found it easy to understand with the the first time round, but the second time I kept waiting for them to say like, wait, don't they say early on that it's like in the future, like it's twenty seconds delayed? It was at the very end, like whoops. Yeah, <laughs> but I found everything else like pretty easy to follow. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I remember the first viewing. It was just a lot of being just like shocked. I was like, wow, this, like this feels so different in tone than the first two so with the knowledge that we don't see Ghidra completely on screen does that make sense do you guys accept that or do you still wish they would have done something better I'm, I'm curious to hear what Eric thinks because I'm sort of agnostic on on that question but I definitely feel the pain agnostic on this question well I yes I that's where I put myself but I definitely feel the pain of those who are like are you effing serious like this is how we're going to get, I don't even know how to pronounce it now after listening to you guys, but <laughs> Ghidorah, is this seriously how we're going to get Ghidorah in this movie? And I, I, I find it completely justified for those who, who, who are like, fuck off. And then like, I'm fucking, I fucking wasted <laughs> all this time in my life. It's come down to this <laughs> and this is it. Fuck this. I completely accept that reaction. Okay. Um, I understand that, but that wasn't my particular point of view. It is a little bit my point of view, but I'm not fully in that camp, but I perfectly understand it. Yeah, I I apologize for the Ghidra. That comes from uh, Ghidra, the three-headed monster, which was the original uh, American title for uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. So it's always in my brain. I can't help it from my my childhood. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with calling it that or calling it whatever. It's like Godzilla's Revenge and so many of the American titles are just completely stained in my brain from uh, seeing them as a child. But <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but personally for me, yeah, the first viewing I was disappointed, but now I, I, I think that a lot of the images of just it kind of consuming Godzilla just look fantastic. And so I'm I'm completely on board, but definitely the first feeling i was not happy with it now there is a image uh, they did put out a picture i believe polygon did put out a picture of what uh Ghidorah looks like so not just in the silhouette and he's very different than what he looks like in well you know his his prime continuity or <laughs> his, what people obviously he looks very different than king of the monsters yeah so what do we at here about 45 minutes before we see Godzilla move again. Yeah, we we saw shots of him that he was, like, taking a nap, basically. Yeah, I think that's the quickest for these three movies, of him kind of entering the picture again. Yeah, it's true, so. but then it's also the most elongated climax as well. Yeah, yeah, and this is, like, the only one where they don't have a plan that they're executing. It's, just like, just chaos. Like, basically, it turns into, like, a Gamera movie where everyone's just sitting aside and watching, like, oh, crap, I can't believe what we're seeing. What do we do? We can't do anything. And we have we have Adam here expositing stuff, but he at least okay, yes. I'll say this. He's expositing, but he gets to a point. All that makes gets to a point, and then like it may lead to a Deus Ex Machina. I don't know. We'll talk about it when like we see her. Hmm. Um but I mean <laughs> yeah. Okay, she's been established, but then again we don't know if like we haven't seen her. These little black balls up here. I just feel like if you reverse them, they'd almost be like the Acura uh, ball. 
<laughs> the dome. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they're supposed to, like, that's kind of, it's kind of what it is. Oh, there's no M Melissa in there. So that's probably a, a good thing. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Um, oh, that's another one. Did you, <laughs> I completely forgot. Did you watch, uh, Eric, did you watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I would think that was a little late for you. So such I a kid so. show. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Never mind. Yeah, I used to love that. Oh, here we go. Buckaroo. So this is what comes out of the Akira dimension. Tapeworm. Oh I know. Yeah, oh, that's shit. basically it. It's a space tapeworm. But it looks like a, a space tapeworm coming out of an eyeball on top of that. <laughs> oh, that's, God, that's perfect. That's Yikes. pretty much how it works. <laughs> Oof. Tape rooms can't come out of eyes. Movie or something that had that had that image. What was it? Where like the worm came out of the person's eyeball. It sounds oh, like uh, Prometheus. That's not Alien Two. I know that for a fact. Isn't there a been Prometheus where uh, the boyfriend be. like looks in his eye after he drinks the champagne and it's like poking out and he's like, oh, it could be that. And he takes off and turns into a mutant man. Whoa! Wait a minute. Howdro has doesn't have his mask on. Interesting. Oh, because at first, wow, you're at right. first when I thought mm -hmm. when I okay at first when they went up to the little watchtower there, I was like, oh, they don't have uh, their masks on or their helmets on. They did. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And now Howdro doesn't have his mask on. It's like, what is this? And same with yeah, uh, Metfees. He doesn't have his mask on or helmet on. Excuse me. Yeah, it's hard to know if Metfee's ever needed it because he's so completely deceptive about everything. Oh, here comes so. this part. I love this part. Which is funny because... Yeah, this is great. Caleb, I don't think I came... Remember how, like, I was so... When we first I watched... Remember. Yeah, <laughs> it's we have it in commentary. It's in the archives. I mm -hmm. may have gotten it from this, but, like, subconsciously. Yep, I can see that. May, may I don't know. Like, it may have been, like, completely subconscious on my... What, for Eric, who doesn't know, when I first watched, when we did our first commentary uh, of the like kaiju series, uh, mm -hmm. which was with Ghidorah, the three headed monster. Um, episode 16 for us. Episode 16 All the way back. Us. Goodness gracious me. Um, yeah. He had like, you know, he they mentioned he had super gravity and whatnot. So I was like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, wait, what if somehow Godzilla and Ghidorah teamed up for like you know an enemy and my enemy is my friend and like Godzilla was like a distance away but Ghidorah was like in the middle point between where like enemy is and then like the three are and so like Godzilla shoots his atomic breath at Ghidorah but then he like redirects it with the super gravity and hits the uh the enemy boss at the end I was like that'd be pretty cool okay yeah, I think we were actually talking about King of the Monsters and you were like yeah they should really bring in that kind of being able to redirect the beam okay I mean I get it I get what you're saying it was actually episode thirteen. I think back. Yeah, it's just a that's just a really cool, crazy thing I'd I'd love to see done one day. Well, we see it here, but yeah, they could do it again in live <laughs> yeah. action. That's I was gonna cool. say, yeah, right, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, animated at live action, I don't care. Just as long as somebody does it, <laughs> I think it'd be cool. I I totally get why people aren't happy with this, but I mean, I think it just looks beautiful. Again, if if <laughs> I'm not, I'm. Just being honest, I am not as in love with these, um, with some of these grandiose images as you are, Caleb. It, it's, it's. Mm. He swipes with his tail. Does good. Does nothing. It's awesome. Let's see. I guess it's partly because of the way Ghidorah looks like right here, because we've already seen Godzilla. I mean, I'm just not the animation right now. We, we, Obviously, it's a fully realized Godzilla in the animation. 
here as it has been previously. Mm-hmm. But Ghidorah looks like, and I get it's because it's like from another dimension or something, but it has this look of like it's just previs, like unfinished animation. So in the back of my mind, I feel like I'm seeing unfinished animation um, interacting with fully realized animation. So then my brain is just like, what am I even looking at? Um, oh, even shots like this where they're like all floating around him. Like I, I totally get what you're saying, but and I do think when it shows like the close-ups of the faces against him, they look weird, but those more distant shots where it's just like surrounding him of the void. like that haze. Well, like this that, is kind of cool, I guess right here. And if I was seeing this at the movies, it probably seems so much grander, but Oh yeah. Are you, are you still watching your DVD? Uh, I'm watching Netflix right now. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> well, then I can't make my, cause, cause in the 4k, it looked incredible on my TV, but <laughs> And it, you know, it does look good when I'm watching it on my other. I am watching it on a on a 440p HDR TV right now, um, or monitor, I should say. But when I do watch it on my regular 4K, it does look nice. But I still, you and I are looking at the same thing, but you we are not seeing the mm-hmm. same thing. <laughs> That's fair. I can, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, quickly, I just wanted to mention, because we saw the uh, Gabertron, I, gar, garbage, Gaber, fuck, I don't know how to say that. Grabatrium, I think. Yeah, that thing. Which is a new element, I guess. Yeah, they mentioned a little bit earlier in the movie where they were like, you humans, like, you don't understand that God for us is a real genuine mathematical concept. The way that we communicate with him and the way that we know he exists are these kind of crystal machines that we have. I thought that was a cool concept too, and I really liked that scene when he was explaining it. I think he even used like an Isaac Asimov uh, quote. No, he used an Arthur C. Clarke uh, quote. The third law, oh, which Clark? is also in the first Thor movie, which Thor says to Jane uh, Foster. Yeah, and uh, Battlefield, the Doctor Who episode, they they mentioned that as well. I just thought that was Asimov, but I guess maybe it is Clark. Hmm. He wrote the three laws of robotics, not the three laws of the thermodynamics. Mm. But it's actually not thermodynamics. But... That concept you just <laughs> spoke of, like other things in this movie and in this trilogy, when I close my eyes and meditate on it, it's it seems interesting. Into my evil eye. But when I'm just watching the movie and hearing them say blah blah blah, it just comes off to me as blah blah blah. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. It sounds like you're having a lot of the same experience that I had on my first viewing. Because that, that's the reason I rewatched them, because I was like, there were so many cool ideas buried in this kind of just kind of big mess, is what I thought the first time. And I was like, okay, I'll maybe I'll watch it again and see some more clarity in the gigantic pool of kind of crap, I thought originally. <laughs> Real soup. And then when I went back for a second and third viewing, I was like, oh no, like... I missed how much was actually well-crafted throughout all three of them. And I, I appreciate a lot more, but the first viewing for all these, I was just kind of like, yeah, this, this is kind of a big clusterfuck. And I also just hated the way it looked the first time too, which is kind of strange to think. Cause I love it now, 
But the first thing I thought this whole thing just looked terrible. It's so weird for me to think. <laughs> I don't think it looks terrible. I am just not spirited away the way you are. I'm just, I'm just like, okay. Because honestly, I know I, visually, I just visually, I just rather watch. I know it's not as artful, perhaps. I would just rather watch um, the recent uh, Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whatever it is. I would just rather watch that for for a spectacle. Wow, this again was a two D image. Weird. Yeah, it's almost cell shaded, eh? It is very strange. Well, isn't like everything in this movie cell shaded, three dimensional or not? It's almost like uh, they got a different uh, studio for some of these. these I images. think so. Well, okay. Again, it, cell shading versus like what we saw in the previous film. Cell shading is if you took. I remember I read an article recently. If if you took out the entire like cell shading of uh, Breath of the Wild. It would look like a completely different game. Like everything would look very different. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen those images before. But I'm just saying, shell shading. I mean, it's it is what it is, regardless of if you apply it to 2D or 3D. It's still the same thing. It's just one's 2D and one's 3D. Now, I see. Of course, we are saying about flatness, and I wonder: is it not so much about different art studio or different artist? I wonder if it's just let's just finish it and save a little money by expediting the process. That's kind of how I take it is more of, okay, we're getting diminishing returns on these theatrical releases in Japan and we're getting like no returns outside of Japan. Okay. Maybe we don't need to spend all the money. Cause like that one shot, not only did it look, two-dimensional but it also looked really static uh like like a freeze frame almost with a moving background and i don't know how much of it was for style or we're just saving multiple grand of money and let's just get this done well i'm not sure if they would have even seen any sort of theatrical release when this was made because i'm pretty sure they were made all at the same time because they were released the first one I think came out like maybe six months before the second one. And then another one or the next one came out maybe like four or five months after that one. So they all came out pretty close together. True, 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 true. And I'm pretty sure they were all made at once. I think they were made all made at once, but just like with Lord of the Rings that was all made at once and came out, you know, a year between movies, even though they were all made at once, they were still constructed in a chronological order. And mm. like the second one wasn't finished when the first one released of Lord of the Rings. And the third one certainly wasn't finished when the, you know what I mean? So I imagine mm. the animation could have been going through those stages as well, even though I agree they were probably all made at once. Um, but I feel like they were trying to wrap at the end. Uh, I don't know. I, it feels, it looks like cost cutting to me. Oh, but since we're finally in the, the kind of real climax of the story, we have Godzilla being consumed by this interdimensional being who's not fully in this dimension yet. And we have the ex of leader Met Fees kind of trying to convince Haro, who I guess is kind of a chosen one in some way, the kind of perfect individual who can call in 
Ghidorah. I wasn't fully clear on some of those details. But then we get this whole bit where it's just kind of, yeah, going through memories and flashbacks and and kind of just trying to finally push him to make a choice in order to call Ghidorah into this reality. How do you guys feel that those ideas came across? <laughs> I'm of two minds about it. I'm of taking it in, watching the movie versus mm-hmm. again, reflecting back on the whole thing once, once it gets to the end. So if you want to say me just watching the movie and taking it in in real time, I'm, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't got time for it. I don't got time for it. Um, yeah, not working so much for going you. Going back and reflecting on it all, yeah, that's different. But in terms of execution, no, nah, nah. The bridge too far. Did, did you find it frustrating? It just... Uh, it's a toy or model that, re- that demands and or requires you to do most of the putting together and painting and putting on the decals and everything. Um, Actually, Mm. if you equate it to a model that you put together, not only do you have to assemble it, you have to create the Lego box yourself. Like you have to melt the plastic and mold the Lego box and then you have to assemble it. And then you go, Oh great. And it's, it's to me, it's a bridge too far in presentation. Mm. Um, Like, I can't, or the audience in general shouldn't be expected to do 80% of the work for the final product, mm. is what I think. Yeah, I, I, I kind of disagree. I, I think it lays it out pretty straightforwardly. Like, I, even on the first thing, I, like, I didn't really need to feel like I was filling in gaps for them. I just felt like this came completely out of nowhere. I don't know. If you just, if I just read this, like, in novella form or in script form even... You're right, it's all there. But the way it's presented and the pacing and everything and it's it obscures the dialogue which lays it out because it affects your attention and your mm. willingness to go along on the ride and, <sighs> and and it tests your patience when you're actually watching the movie. But you're right. If you just look at the dialogue on paper, it's all there. All the explanation is there. But it's off obfuscated? Is that the word? Um, obfuscated? By the distract... Well, I mean, I mean, a word that means obscured. Uh, it's obscured yeah. <laughs> by um, the pacing and presentation and engagement and like... Wow, this looks great, like, by the way. The movie should come with like a little packet of Adderall uh, like included <laughs> in the in the little set because you're going to need it to put this model together. Um, yep. But before Isaac answers, I just got to say this. I actually wrote a book earlier this year that has a very similar climax in terms of we just kind of fall into people's memories and kind of jumping all over the place in order for them to kind of come to a decision. And I feel like that story had the exact same problems as this one, where it's just like it feels completely out of place with the rest of the the kind of narrative that we're seeing. Like all the other movies, none of them felt anything like this. And I feel like it grinds the story to a halt to some degree. 
and it's so distracting how different it feels and everything else. That's one of the reasons I was so disappointed when I finished that book. I was like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> and I have the same thing here, but I do think it works on multiple viewings once you fully kind of grasp the fact that this whole series is about Haro and him has this kind of a symbol of humanity, him being kind of a symbol of humanity. Yes, yes. So it does ultimately work, but I totally get why people don't like it. If you guys are familiar with the term and concept of like either pornographic or sexual edging, either way, (laughs) this is that. This is pornographic edging at the most inappropriate time. Um, (laughs) It's my favorite kind of edging. Tracing. So, yeah. (laughs) This is edging when you're like, why are we even doing this right now? Like, this is not the time and place for edging. This is not... And so that that's best time, <laughs> best time. Why are we doing this right now? Because it's fun. <laughs> but sorry, it's for you, Isaac. <laughs> Albert Einstein's in this movie, and so is Oppenheimer. For I have uh, become death. I, for, I forget. The, okay, sorry, I forgot the the term. Where did I hear from? Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember where I heard from recently. Meanwhile, in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. No, no, Pit Boy and Fat Boy, which is, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I, it's funny that they got this here. I think, I think they earned the right to show because, because mm-hmm. they showed it through images and through, um, a Lotus eating machine where he's basically trapped in his unconscious or another world, whatever you want to call it, a dreamscape, um, mm. and he's having like an existential crisis right now. Um, I, I think they earned the right to go back to um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No, you're right. I'm not arguing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not arguing no, yeah, that. I, no, there was no argument. I just said, I think like <laughs> for anybody who didn't like that, I, I think they earned it with that. And they, they, they went, they actually showed something they didn't show. And I think, well, maybe other Godzilla stuff has shown it, but like they didn't, they showed like yeah. E equals MC squared, which I, I loved. I was like, Hey, that's nice. They actually kind of like show where the first idea came from about the atomic bomb. But just about my my question about how it kind of basically, yeah, again, does like the 2001, where in the climax, it jumps into surrealist territory in a way. Like it's not entirely surrealist, but there's surreal elements to it. Yeah. Do you feel like it comes completely out of nowhere and kind of disrupts the narrative in a way or the passing crows? I'm trying to remember what that is. That's what they call the, the people. Yeah. There she is. There she is. The monster egg. Is she yep. a Deus Ex Machina? Um, I think it was too built up. Okay, like we always knew it was going to come in, come into play, and it was always going to be a part of the climax. So it didn't come like out of nowhere, and it was nope, just like a hand of God true. to solve the problem. What do you think of her design? It doesn't even really solve the problem. It just helps Haro separate himself. I, I like the the little bit of design that we get. It's not much. I know. It's hard to. Uh, comment on too much it's... so again reminder i thought that like melissa and marino were both like and, and her their tribe were a part of uh Ghidorah's cult i was like dude this is fascinating and then it was like nope it's mothra i'm i'm dumb i'm just also is that a is that a sash she's wearing i guess it is that flying bit made me think of uh pantanama internal eternal what's that movie called again <laughs> do you know <laughs> uh isaac um, uh 
gotta give you gotta be more specific here is it a live action is it animation it's anime it's uh, um i think it's from the same guy uh what's that uh oh Pan- pantanum inverted that's it is it that is that another oshi film or um now i gotta look it up who made this that... <laughs> no, okay fair enough uh why are you showing me all this yes we're about to get some critical information that shouldn't be uh kind of changes the way the series is because well not series but how 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 it looks because again this is this in of itself is how to story this is this is a greek mm-hmm. tragedy um i would i'd say it's like east meets west if you understand like western storytelling and eastern storytelling maybe mix of both i don't know maybe the westerns there this is the odyssey like obviously it's i don't remember the odyssey having a 2001 like point moment at the end where it's all this introspection but uh, after after ghost in the shell when i watched that the first time i accept anything that involves introspection i just go along with it um but but in terms of the previous two films do you see why people would look at this and be like wow this like came completely out of nowhere this kind of off into its own surrealist realm a lot of people i at least from my what i've seen has been like this movie felt like completely out of step and it felt disruptive to the narrative i don't fully agree but i i get why people think that and it turns out mifflis was the reason why grandpa or the the the, the sorry the shuttle uh carrying grandpa and all the uh other people blew up mm-hmm it wasn't yep, the gov- it wasn't the council at all. They were telling the truth, except for maybe the other exes. Yeah, or Haro, because some there was definitely some conspiracy. At least Yuko thought that Haro was behind it. You were set up and played like a fiddle. Um, yeah, I met these. Yeah, it turns out to be the villain of the whole whole series here. It was me all along. Yeah, <laughs> Austin. <laughs> um. I was. I am your father. Okay, we're not going that far. Oh boy, Jesus wept. <laughs> um, but okay. I do love these these moments when we see actual memories recontextualized with Metfuse there. Yep. Something about that's just super cool. To Him me. getting into his psyche and rewiring his brain almost, or, or or manipulating his brain like he was Nilan or something like that. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, changing memories instead of Godzilla, it's Ghidorah coming. Because it's yeah, like, you know, that's super cool. It's Mephis's God instead. And him actually getting the pedal, which goes into his namesake, which I love. I, I love this part. This is uh, this is mm-hmm. probably like just precious and or cute. But just just because you have an answer. Yet. Yeah, I know. I'm not I'm not trying to stall or anything like that. It's just there's a lot of like important stuff on scene that I have to on screen that I have to like p- point out. Yeah. And, and legitimately, this whole maybe the last 30 minutes or whatever it is, it really is just coming thick and fast. Like you can barely keep up. I, I especially felt that in my first viewing, I was just like, wow, it does not stop moving. Things are just like, if you blink, you're missing some, oh, some yeah. moments to some degree. <laughs> okay. So as you both know, maybe Eric doesn't know, I'm not exactly a big art house guy. And I'm not saying I don't like art. It's just like, I don't, I don't go out and seek art house on my own. I would watch, any art house film with you guys i have no problem with that but art house has always been unconventional it's always been counterculture and i see this film as counterculture so Mm -hmm. the way they've set up their narrative i accept 
everything carte blanche now does that mean i should like you know should should i uh immediately like drink the kool-aid and not have an opinion of saying well there's probably problems here uh probably but i went with everything like i I don't know what it is the first time i saw this entire series like i watched it like once and all three at once and was just immediately hooked uh haven't seen it since till now um but Again, oh, I had no, I had no problem with it. Uh, everything made sense to me. There's some stuff that makes more sense now, especially the bit with like you know how um, Melissa couldn't take off the suit, uh, <laughs> the, the the spacesuit. Um, and in this case, oh wait, that's why they had to have Exif have or Exif sorry Met- Metfees have his uh, helmet off so that Haru could um, you know eye gouge him. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, pop his eye. Yeah, that's that's what. Well, both eyes, I think. <laughs> the eye of uh, just just the one, I think, just the eye for uh, because they were kind of saying that because because uh, Ghidorah is really not here. He, in some ways, is an illusion, but in in some ways, is able to assert yes and no some control. Yeah, he needs his he needs his human puppet to uh, enable to manipulate this reality, which is met feet. So he is a he is a fourth dimensional being it seems it's just that for some reason he when he comes into this realm he actually is depowered and turn <laughs> he's reverted back to a three-dimensional form so that means that godzilla can <laughs> in fact interact with him but through the use of like a ritual and or through the yeah well literally it is a ritual um he gains his fourth dimensional status in the third dimensional world which shouldn't make sense <laughs> but you know whatever that's that is what it is for this movie i accept it and again, super hard sci-fi. I could see people watching this and completely missing what's going on because it is just out there. <laughs> this whole kind of series of films is just out there in the hard Listen, sci-fi. Listen, when realm, you but... see the end of Ghost in the Shell or Akira and you love like those two movies to death, like I accept anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> schlock, no schlock, art house, completely, you know, smart, just writing. I don't, I, I, get, I get it. I'm, I'm for anything. I have my limits. Yeah, and I think in general, Godzilla is more of a schlock franchise just in terms of volume. So I could see why maybe this was at a step with appealing to the general fan base, but at least for the Reiwa uh, era, this is kind of the standard so far that we've seen. More hard sci-fi. Yeah, of it being a little more, yeah, smartly made. Yeah, so I'm very curious to see what the next film is going to be like. I know that there's apparently a film coming out this year oh sweet in japan only <laughs> next uh, we'll, year in we'll get it, north yeah. america um, the kaiju invasion oh that's gonna I'm very be curious who that's gonna be like um also for you both of you be wary if you thought this ending was like nuts watch all of singular point because i finished it recently by the way and oh, um <laughs> it's very similar to this which is hilarious fascinating that is yeah i still got like six episodes left so it's it's strangely almost similar um and i'll allude to it later on but i'll just allude to say that it's almost the exact same except a little different Uh, yeah and i'll ask you guys a little bit later about how we should include that on the randomizer but (laughs) But yeah so here we are basically at the the first climax this is kind of the end and then we get an extended epilogue uh it's but... it's it's and also it doesn't last as long as the return of the king <laughs> fair enough but yeah it i mean i think it was a satisfactory enough conclusion 
Godzilla didn't really, he was almost a passenger for it. It was all about kind of Haru's decision, which I feel like was the right choice, but I don't know. I, I Again, maybe I'm too guided by that first viewing, but I just felt it was unsatisfying. On this, on the most recent viewings, I'm so with Haru that I can just go along with all of this, but I could see why people would not be happy with it. You so. <laughs> have to be in a mood for this. This is, see, he gouged both eyes up. You have to be in like a, a, a mindset. You have to prepare for this. This is a, yes. a thinking person's movie series trilogy whatever you want to call it you have to put bar yourself and 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 get yourself ready for for stuff like this all right you do that with any anything whether it's schlock whether it's smart i think you have to prepare yourself for it and be in the right mindset and be in the mood do do, do preparation i i definitely agree all three of these are a thinking man's sci-fi kind of kind of franchise or, or trilogy i should say but I really do think that, that maybe they should have prepared us a little bit more for the fact that this was going to, again, kind of spiral off into surrealism. Because I could totally get people watching the three of these and being like, this third one feels completely out of step. Because it kind of does. For me, it works. But I could totally get why people don't think it works. Yeah, fi- finally answering your, your, your question. I would have loved both. I don't think, because, I mean, like, if we thought about it, the ending to this, if we had, if the engine hadn't broken and we did see Ghidra in person, the planet would have blown up. I hands down believe the planet would have been destroyed. Um, and there would probably still have been stopped, but the, I, I guarantee you the planet would have been destroyed. Because he's called the Planet Eater. Pretty sure, like, his, for, they're going to keep his namesake true unless they blow up the moon first. Huh. So I'm good with either ending, whether it's, you know, intellectual and it's all exposition. And again, at least Adam did do something in the end when he realized, oh, hey, there's a connection there or if we sever it. Um, anyway, also, we see these guys finally take, well, some of them take their masks off. Interesting, we didn't get the yep. village elder there, though, like the, the, the like the male figure. I don't know if it's matriarchal or patriarchal. I'm going to assume it's patriarchal. Uh, we didn't see him at all. We only saw him once, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, they a lot of those scenes were they're kind of the the, the gamma scenes where it's just people watching the action. I love how we always have the natives in the background, but they don't say anything and make no impression. <laughs> no character whatsoever. I mean, again, hive mind. <laughs> This stuff here, I really was thinking what Eric was saying about the budget saving. I was like, <laughs> why are we getting these still images? Like, why is this happening? Have none of you seen the original Berserk? <laughs> no. I haven't. But... <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's budget saving. I think I, 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 you know what? It's with both like the ending and this, uh, I, it's a warm welcome. Uh, it's a change of pace. I like it. Yeah, and I get it. I get in principle this is meant to be, you know, it's still images because it's meant to say that time is moving fast, you know, <laughs> like it's kind of these are stretched moments because we're jumping kind of months ahead of time. So I get it in principle, but the fact that we get a live action scene or fuck not a live action, action scene. What is this end of <laughs> Evangelion? But we get a, a moving, <laughs> we get a moving scene after this. Makes it feel especially odd that we spent so much time and just still. Also, one day, sir, you're going to get end of Evangelion. So if you want to talk about like 
Surrealists and 2001, none of you have seen End of Evangelion. I'm there. Rock and roll. This Literally, you will love this movie after you see that movie. That's all I'm going to say. I do, by the way. I mean, honestly, I, I will say on the, my second viewing of this, this little sequence here brought me to tears. I thought it was a fantastic way to end the trilogy. Yep. I didn't have that the first viewing or the third viewing, but that second one, it just hit me right in the right spot. So, <laughs> Eric, what do you think of this ending so far? Because we haven't given you the mic. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to get the like closing discussion. Um, That's fair. Sure. Because yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. But <laughs> part of what you all are saying, like you're bringing up Evangelion. Um, as long as I've been watching anime, like when it comes to different series of anime, it's very rare that I get to the end of a, of a series, whatever series it is. It's very rare. But the few times I got close to the end of a series, this is like a thing, right? It's not just in this. It's not just an Evangelion. Um, I, f- I feel like it happens in a lot of anime, I think, because again, I haven't finished many. Uh but they get to the end and everything starts getting super metaphysical and <laughs> just completely goes a, a whole different direction. Evangelion does it. There's another show. I know where you're going with this. I freaking loved another a series called Escaflone. And I don't know if you guys know that one. I love that series. But it was like cool. <laughs> and, you know, like or Evangelion when you're just watching the regular episodes. It's like you're there for the mechs and the action and whatever, whatever, whatever. And then it gets to the end and then it's all, okay, now we have to get like super heady about this. And Escaflone is another example because they they were going to have 39 episodes and it went to 26 episodes. So they had to rush things. Sure. But see, Uh, again, that happens all the time with many series. Evangelion, they rushed the end, if I remember correctly. Well, they were running. they They had no budget. Exactly. But that happens a lot. Like... I think with a lot of uh, anime series. And so it's like, hmm. I think, I, I think uh, Cowboy Bebop <laughs> ends the way it should end. And I don't, I haven't seen the end of it again, but generally speaking though, I don't like that idea. Generally speaking. And it just, I, I know what you mean. It just reminded me of two other popular Western shows about the way they concluded them. And one is lost, and the other one is BSG two thousand three, but they hey. they're similar to what I'm talking about. Like you were in the show, either one of those shows, you're into it because you were following the weekly adventures, and the story is progressing, and where's it gonna go? And I think with both of those series, once they were getting to the very end, I don't think they exactly really know knew how they should end it. End it. And they both end in this kind of way, like, 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 mm. like, what the fuck? Like, like, surreal, like, out, out, almost out of universe from the show you've been watching. And they, they leave you with some philosophical concept that you're supposed to deconstruct at the very end. And it doesn't, it does not feel like sticking the landing. It feels mm. like a cop out. Like, it feels like, okay, we're not going to necessarily please anybody or everyone, I should say. So let's just make this esoteric ending and then people can just, and then they just say, well, 
it'll be whatever you interpret it to mean or whatever. And that does not feel satisfying. And the series finales are very disappointing for both of those series that I really loved at the time. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily feel that with BSG, but I definitely feel that with Lost. And I definitely felt that the first time I watched this series of films. But the more I watch it, the more I feel like they did actually see this and it does make sense in the narrative. Okay, no, no. It does make sense. This does. When you go back and analyze it all. But I don't find it appealing as like a viewing experience. Like, mm. uh, I would. I don't think I would find it super enjoyable if I was watching these at the theater. Now, like visually and mm. like all that would probably be cool at the theater if I was watching this. But as far as feeling satisfied at the end, like, all right, that tied it all together. No. No, I don't think it's satisfying. It's only satisfying upon reflection, I think. Yeah, just to interrupt. I do love this bit where they become like they they'd finish they they defeated Ghidorah, the kind of real threat, and they're like, okay, well, we're existing with the Hatuo or Hatua. Uh the ship has been destroyed, so all we can do is exist on the planet that we have now. But in the background, there's this one piece of nanometal. The scientist keeps working on it and eventually gets it to work again. And um, uh, Captain, what was his name? Sakaki? <laughs> Fuck, I can't believe forgetting. Haro. Haro. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, like people are going to go back to technology and just create the whole problem all over again. So what can I do? The cycle continues. I'm the last one who is fueled by hate. So I'm just going to destroy myself and the technology and let humanity go back to the way it's supposed to be and i really do think this is a beautiful ending upon reflection um the first time i watched it i was kind of like like okay that that was it i mean he just killed himself okay like screw these movies but <laughs> but upon reflection i really do think it does absolutely work but <laughs> it is but here's the thing that concept has been done many other places and it's it's done in more satisfying ways with other properties um i would say that's subjective (laughs) it is subjective except that you could quantify it um by just looking at (laughs) people's reactions to these different properties and how people in large groups if they felt satisfied or not so you can quantify it even though it is subjective and yet there's context to those large groups of people what do you mean what do you mean context to the those groups of people what those people like. Go on, Caleb. I know where you're going with this. Well, yeah, I mean, most Godzilla fans don't like this. That's just, I think that's just the way it is at this point in time. And me and Isaac are maybe kind of in the, the rare minority where we think it's entirely satisfying the whole way through. But I definitely didn't feel that way the first time around. And I feel like maybe a lot of those Godzilla fans watched these once and that was it. And they've kind of held to their opinion and didn't go back and kind of process the whole journey that you get well yeah like but if you're if you're a fan of my little pony the series and you're just you just love that show to death and uh, then all of a sudden they come out with this special standalone movie of my little pony and it gets super existential and starts answering the questions of life (laughs) 
Dude, that I want to see that. But I'm just saying, though. <laughs> awesome. But, but for the casual, not the casual, for the the standard fan base, though, of My Little Pony, you're like, what the fuck? Because this is not <laughs> what I tune in for, like, in the weekly episodes. And, yeah, maybe we might yeah. find it interesting because we'd be like, holy shit, this is the craziest My Little Pony movie ever. But for the fan base, mm-hmm. like, no, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you talking about Friendship is Magic, by the way? I just have to, like, I have to. I was, that. even though I've, right, but still. So, so yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a super left turn. And, and there's nothing wrong with experimenting, especially with really big IPs. Yeah, and, and I'll just say, um, this is the movie that I've seen the least out of this group. This is my third time watching it. The first movie I've, I've seen like five or six times. The second one I've seen, I think, four times. But for whatever reason, I never get back to this one. Proving Eric's point. And I think the reason why is because, yeah, it is a little frustrating because it feels so out of step with the other two. But for me, it, it still is absolutely satisfying. I, I, I feel like it concludes the movies well enough. But it's very, very difficult to get this kind of thing right, I think. And I think that they they basically got it right. Like, it doesn't fully work, and I I think you, it needs, like, it requires rewatches in order for it to really resonate properly, which is maybe not what you want to do because people aren't going to necessarily rewatch your material and they don't necessarily have to. But I feel like for this specific ending, it maybe needs a second watch to work properly. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's true. I'm, I I have stuff to say, but we're going to wait because they're about to see the post-credits scene. So that's why I'm, I'm waiting. Also, forgot to mention that we had the third and final dive bomb sequence. Well, he's kind of diving towards, not so much like from above, but still he's like, like blitzkrieging it towards bomb rushing Godzilla just to get blown up. Yeah, I pro- I forgot to mention, it's curious that this is the only post credit scene that has, um, or the only song that has uh, English uh, lyrics to it, which is kind of strange. That is interesting. Not sure why they made that choice, but yeah, this post credit scene I didn't get. Maybe Isaac, you, maybe you can explain it. <laughs> it's, uh, these kids look like actor kids. I don't know why. Um <sighs> okay, so my interpretation of this. Um so weird. Faith to our Lord, faith to our our Earth Lord. Okay, so what this I think is saying is humanity's either beginning to experience technology again, uh or not. That's that's entirely up to the they're offering sacrifices, technology may be whether they're or they're worshipping Godzilla instead of because they said our wrathful lord instead of Mothra. So it almost seems like the integration of humans, they've brought their god, uh, and maybe it's overruling Mothra. That's that's kind of my interpretation. I actually need to see the scene a little more to uh, interpret it. Yeah, I completely, completely do not get it. But strangely, I thought that the pyre that they're burning looked like the vulture. So I was like, are... It might be that too. They mentioned that throughout the movie... They're like, oh, Haru, you become almost like this little symbol. 
like you've almost become like a part of the religion. And I didn't understand how that translated to the Hatuo or Hatua, but it almost seemed like that at the end and I didn't get it. So that, that ending I thought was especially perplexing. It was maybe a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is several years mm-hmm. later. Um, it looks like we see Melina mm-hmm. or whatever. One of the twins is yeah. aged now. Um, she's older. Um, yeah, the humans, the surviving humans have have combined with the Hetua or whatever they're called. Um, some of the children, I think they're hybrids. They're, they're a bunch of hybrids offspring. And now they're practicing their new religion, which is a combination of praising Mothra. And I think those those vulture things you were just talking about were part of something that that was like uh, like a, a human um like mm-hmm. token wicker man or just that was the human that was the human element of the mythology being mixed in with their mothra oh. this is like an amalgam uh and so now they're their new culture and their new religion reflects on like combining the the mythological tale of how they came together, which involved Mothra from those people and the vulture, I guess, was like this the the positive symbol from the human side. And mm. and now it's becoming now part of their 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 new culture that they've created uh going forward. Yeah, it sounds like I, th- I thought I thought for a second when you were saying that I also thought like oh wait maybe uh, uh, Haro has become a patron saint of theirs or some sort of saint attained sainthood or is you know the equivalent of you know Odysseus as I mentioned before. But he is like obviously like a messianic Christ figure, someone who sacrificed all for the greater good. Yeah, which I think is one of the the cooler aspects is, yeah, he really is like this kind of deity becoming a legend. A regular person becoming a legend, I should say. Sure. Sure. Which you don't really realize when you watch them the first time around, but once you rewatch it and you see how the people are kind of just a symbol, it really does start to work. But but yeah, so I guess that's that's the end of these movies. Um, wow. Again, I, I still absolutely loved them. I think they all work. This third one, I feel like works the least. It's always been my least favorite, but I still think it works. You just have to be on board with what it's going to do because it's not it's not satisfying in the same way the other two are. Like it's definitely not traditional by any means. By any means, so. But for you guys, what do you guys think? Goddamn, I'm drunk, but <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem like it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. At least me personally, mine might be different. Eric, I'll let you start off first because you have a lot to unwrap. Oh, great. So, <laughs> it all, I get it all. And a lot of me understanding it is because I watched videos on YouTube to help me um, to do the work for me rather than me have to do all the work myself. And with the help of YouTube, etc., I completely get the whole thing and it really does all fit together. And we didn't even get into all the details of it, of what it is and how it Mm. works and what did Godzilla represent and Ghidorah and, and 
it does make sense if you want to break it all down. Fine. And that's fine. And when I think about it like that, it is interesting. Um, but in terms of execution and just taking it for face value, the three movies, and, and trying to enjoy it just as it is, I think it fails um, because with some other things that get into some head headspace, like we already mentioned 2001, um, and I'll just throw in mm. another movie that me and Kit that comes up a lot, uh, but it's similar to 2001 in a way. Uh, like Interstellar, oh, no. Interstellar is dealing with some big themes at the end of the day, but despite the big themes, um, those movies can just work on their face. Um, you can still get wrapped up into moments of 2001 and feel tension because of just things that are happening in the movie before you get to the big, um, what do you call it? Uh, before you get to the big surreal endings, uh, mind blowing endings, you can still just get wrapped up in the regular ebb and flow of the story and the plot and the action and the tension of just the things that are happening along the way. And the same thing for Interstellar. There's a lot of great set pieces and moments that kind of like build up your, your pulse rate and get you engaged before you have to deal with the metaphysical stuff at the end. But see, this movie doesn't have any of that kind of stuff. Or a little bit it does, but it's not, in my opinion, it, it doesn't have balance between the real big, heady, big questions and then the stuff to string you along to have you engaged enough and to enjoy it along the way before you understand the big picture of things. And so I don't find it satisfying as just watching it on your own. And yes, I can appreciate it now. And I understand the whole big concept now. But another way I was thinking about it is to go back to the Bible in a weird way. Um, this is to me like something you do you would do like in Bible study. In other words, um, even if you are into reading the Bible for your own entertainment or whatever reasons, there's certain parts that are like really readable because it's it's like easier to follow or interesting or like major moments, certain particular stories in the Bible. And then there's other parts that you may never visit for whatever reason. Amos. And but that's what Bible study is or could be. So Bible study is like, hey, you know what? We're all going to come together. I'm going to pick out this section that you may not be so familiar with. And we're going to read it and we're going to hash it out. And we're going to try to get to the meaning of it. And, and, then, and then maybe you might glean something new about this particular section that you never would have if you wouldn't have attended Bible study that day. And, been, and then force yourself to engage and had someone who said, we're going to do this. So, like, this to me is like Bible study because I would have never, on my own, left to my own devices, I don't think I could have ever been motivated to get through this whole thing. And even if I forced myself, I wouldn't have been so enthused to try to figure out what it all meant or do some research. I would have just been like, feh, like, too much, too much, too much high bar of entry for this thing. But because to me this is like a Bible study setting, meaning it was put before the group. This is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on this. 
And so then I had to do my due diligence of looking into it and not just come in blind, although I did on the first part, but for the rest, I didn't come in blind. And so I did my due diligence and I can go, okay, I have done some research. I know what the whole thing is about. I can reflect on that. That's meaningful, but it never would have happened if it wasn't for Godzilla Bible study. (laughs) So that's my first hot take. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad you got a chance. Uh, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I've not seen any of the YouTube video stuff. I'm curious to see what they say about what Godzilla versus uh, uh, Ghidorah represents. I'm not sure what they they say about that stuff. But... I can tell you what they say, but let's let, let's hear Isaac react first. I think. Sure. All right. So after all this, after every single one of this, all these three commentaries, we finally are at the end, and. It seems as though uh, this this th- th- this choir is in a discourse where we have one who knows it's not great, two person who knows it's very great but has reservations about the ending, and then three a true believer, as they say. This is a complete story that I rarely see in almost any media. And I am proud to say I can get through it all um, and not come out with any uh, apprehensions. Aside from, okay, maybe a few minor points, but throughout like all three of them. Very nitpicks. I adore this franchise. This is, again, backstory for Eric. The reason I accept this is because, and, and what I meant, alluded to earlier with how like a lot of Godzilla fans don't like this. I, as a Godzilla fan, was only... Only knew Godzilla 2014, Godzilla uh, 1954, uh, Shin Godzilla, and then this. That was all I knew up to this point. All the other, like, and I guess, sorry, King Kong versus Godzilla. So I had no, like, I, I did not grow up with, you know, the, the, the bad dubbed um, American versions of it or anything like that. Or when, like, the franchise did some experimentation of certain uh, decisions, I'll say that. So I only knew it as a sophisticated series. So this was like peak Godzilla of like, first I get 54, then I, or I get, first I get 2014, then I get 54, then I get Shin Godzilla, and then I get this. And it's like a slew of, of amazing science fiction stories. And I'm like, this, this franchise can do no wrong. And now I have an appreciation for both the schlock and the smarts. So I can, I can pretty much come out of any Godzilla film saying like, you know what? there was something enjoyable for that whether it was smart or it was sophisticated i i had an intellectually stimulating time and this satisfied my little intellectually uh, intellectualism no that's cool that's yeah that's definitely a different perspective well just coming into these with kind of the newer era strictly intellectually this is fine as far as i'm concerned <laughs> It is interesting on an intellectual level, um, but as far as entertaining, though, in the traditional sense, not so much for me. Um, Very well. But on the intellectual level, it is, I guess you could say, satisfying. Um, and are you talking about the the series as a whole or just this last one? I'm talking about as a whole, the whole concept of the whole story and what it's all supposed to mean. Mm-hmm yeah no i i get it that's that's fair yeah yeah for me 
I mean, you said Isaac. I was a little bit more hesitant on this third viewing. I'm I'm all in for all three, but because all these years I've it's been definitely longer since I've revisited this one than the other two, and I've seen so much hate directed towards it. You know, so I was kind of like, oh, I don't get it. The last time I watched it, I absolutely loved it. Coming back to it, seeing all those people complain, all those people's complaints. I definitely get where they're they're coming from. I don't I don't necessarily agree. I think if they go back, you know, they'd see more how they're all kind of uh, connected, and how they how the, all the other two kind of lead into this one. But I totally get why, especially on a first viewing, why they would look at this one like it was completely out of step and kind of a black sheep to, towards the other two. But but no, I, I think it all ultimately is satisfying. So so I, I'm com- again I'm completely on board. I look, this is some of my favorite Godzilla. That we've ever gotten so hey i'm glad you i love it all you finally saw things my i'm just kidding <laughs> that isn't true it's just yeah i've been there for a while but i don't think we talked about it since my initial complaints no, that's where true. i was really hating on it <laughs> definitely worked together. hey i mean maybe he'll make me he'll he'll make me see uh super friends one day <laughs> maybe i'll like finally drink the kool-aid to that one one point uh, you'll have to get really stoned like I do when I watch Super Friends. Well, that's so. impossible because exactly. that doesn't that that doesn't that, that that can't like biologically happen with me. Yeah, Super Friends is not as fun if you're not on the same wavelength of the writers, which is stoned out of your mind. So we're not giving a complete <laughs> rip. Yeah, just being like, okay, random things happening, no connection to anything else. Absolutely, I'm there. <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah, I guess that's our uh, final thoughts on this this series of films. I think Eric was a little bit more mixed, but me and Isaac were both completely well, on board. Well, I was going to say a little bit more before we close it out completely. Oh, please do, please do say your piece. Because Caleb had said, like, I, he was saying, like, I don't know what, what the YouTubers are saying, the ones who take it critically. Sure. Um, and you guys kind of already know some of it because it's been discussed in the commentary already. But, um, and I, I guess this is still open to interpretation, but I'll just try to boil it down. Um, so, humans, I'm going to kind of try to break it down for the whole thing. So, humans um, always thought of themselves as like the dominant species on the planet Earth. Um, and that's kind of how it was for a long time. But really, the humans were just like a stepping stone in evolution to the ultimate, um, the ultimate final way that the planet's supposed to end up, uh, and what that is as as Godzilla being the um, the ultimate being, not really humans. Humans are just like a stepping stone on the way to that, and um, Godzilla was basically born from humans initially. Um, with the origin and stuff and the atomic bomb and all that business. Um, and that was the creation. But that being said, Godzilla still is all of like nature incarnate on the planet. It's like the ultimate um, representation of nature embodied. Um, and so once Godzilla comes on the scene and is created, it's going to be time for Godzilla to take over as like the reigning being or whatever. And at that point, then humans are sort of like, um, 
just someone else there, <laughs> like uh, living on the planet. But if humans try to now defeat Godzilla that they created or try to destroy it, um, all that will ever do is enrage it more. Um, it is unbeatable. Uh, it, there is no possible way humans could really destroy Godzilla. Again, because Godzilla is nature incarnate. And humans could never ultimately defeat nature, no matter what we try. Um, it will always come back in its whatever way. Um, and so the Exifs... They kind of they're they're kind of going for full Armageddon, full destruction of everything, and the only way that could happen, or the way that does that could happen, is if humans embrace their hate for Godzilla and go full on, um, and 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 try to destroy Godzilla, uh, and that opens the way for ultimate annihilation, which is in the form of Ghidorah, um, but. What the true path is, it's kind of like what the, I forget what they're called, but the moth people, because the moth people see initially, and who knows if, uh, what's his name, the guy whose name starts with M, um, who knows if he really knew it or not, because wasn't it, was it him who, before they came back to Earth, thought like there's no way there could be other um, sentient life on Earth? I think he was kind of assuming that it would just, it wouldn't be possible. There would be nothing there, but then it ends up, there are those people there and they seem to be fine. Actually. Uh, they seem to be doing their own thing because they don't have a hate for Godzilla per se. They're not trying to interfere with Godzilla. They're just living within their means, like more harmoniously with the planet. Um, because you see Godzilla never does anything in the movie except when disturbed or attacked. Um, that's the only way Godzilla starts wrecking havoc in the movie. And that's what the humans are constantly trying to do. And that's what the Bisaludo, whatever, they're the, they're the ultimate that, uh, they're like, they represent humankind going as far as possible, um, with technology. And by the way, that's the other obvious big message is that ultimately technology will undo mankind. Um, and, yep. and man thinks that's the only way out of this, or that's the pseudo. They're like the hardcore version of that. Um, that if we could just have the ultimate te technological answer or weapon or whatever, then we can ultimately defeat nature or be make nature the ward of people kind. But that is just false thinking because, again, it can just never happen. It can never happen. Um, that will only lead to total destruction. Um, so only when the humans realize that you have to take on like the mantra of the Mothra people, no pun intended, um, and just step out of the way and just let nature do its thing, that's really the only true path. Um, and Haru, or whatever his name is, by him destroying the last nanometal and sacrificing himself, that's just the symbol of humankind ultimately rejecting their former ways. 
and their pursuit of technology and their 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 pursuit of challenging nature him sacrificing himself and getting rid of the last nanometal is like dispensing of the last of those old ways and beliefs of technology etc um and then boom he does that and now you and kind like as we saw gets along with the moth people and now we can all coexist together and so that's it that's it uh like not to the way the answer is not to challenge or try to defeat um or or to bend nature to your ways just let nature do its thing and then you can do your thing and then you can just coexist in that way in in like in basically harmony or peace and i mean that's kind of what it go, all goes down to yeah so i think we kind of discussed some of that stuff so oh, that's good at least <laughs> yeah there you go isaac me and you we got the uh we're mostly on the same page as the youtube people i think um Thanks. was were those people complaining or were they just like how what were they saying how simple the message was no no, no 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 these were these are i'm i'm just homogenizing the opinion of those oh, who, took, okay. who took the time to pay attention to the dialogue in all three movies and see how like a lot of everything was foreshadowed in the first movie if you pay attention to what characters are saying it's all laid out it's all explained. It's not like it's pulling a fast one or anything. Like narratively on paper, it all makes sense. Every all the information you need is is there. Um, yeah. And so those, these are people, and these are, and it's you don't necessarily get it upon first viewing. You have to like really take it again. You have to take it seriously. You have to do your time. You have to do your due diligence to like peel this mm-hmm. onion. Um, and so that's what people have sussed out who have giving it their all, like their attention and everything. And someone's playing among us recently. <laughs> Not me. Um, but that's pretty sus of you. But the haters or the people who are more critical, because there's some who recognize, like kind of like me, who recognize, yes, we see there is a, a broader story that does make sense. That is interesting to think about. But the packaging is why it's kind of a flop with the with the G community g fan community at large um because it's just it's 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 not what they want it definitely super subverts their expectations the the g fan community at large um wait wait does that mean that some of these films are the last jedi to them oh yes absolutely yes yes and no yes and no because wow. I say yes and no, because it does subvert expectations, but but Last Jedi takes subverting expectations to a new level. Because if you want to say this is really Last Jedi, then not only does it subvert your expectations on how a Godzilla movie should be, it would subvert your expectations if this was truly Last Jedi. Then it would end up that Godzilla wasn't nature, or nature was bad, or humans are nature. And then humans should ultimately win. See, now that would subvert expectations because that would completely break the whole Godzilla paradigm. That's what it would have to be if you want to truly make it Last Jedi. Because that's why that thing subverts our expectations in ways that shouldn't happen because it breaks the rules of Star Wars. Um, See, this doesn't really break the rules of Godzilla, but it does break the rules of like presentation and delivery, but not... The lore, I guess. I get you there. I, I understand. Yeah. But I, I think in terms of... I feel like The Last Jedi is not a movie 
where people are like, it's not a movie. Oh, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I'm okay with it. No, I feel like last Jedi is one of those movies where it's completely absolutely motherfucking lutely or you hate yes. it. Yes. That's these anime trilogies as well. Wow. <laughs> so, so I'm a last Jedi lover. Oh goodness gracious me. Although I will say I have seen people who are like, I'm okay with one and two, but the third movie is complete trash. So that's a little bit different, and you can't really compare because it's a trilogy versus one singular film. That's why when Eric was comparing it to uh, like 2001 or um, Interstellar, the first two I really think are completely straightforward films that you could very easily follow. It's this movie that break that breaks ranks and goes, okay, now we're going to jump into completely being in like this one character's kind of surrealist Following wise, I agree with what you just your assessment of this. But where I where I disagree at least with my comparison to the Nolan films was it's not that it wasn't followable. It's just 2001 and the Nolan film, they give you things that are more palatable. Things to hook you in and, and keep you. Because even though the first two movies are followable or easier to digest, as you say, I still don't think they're overall that pleasing. Now, I think that people would say, oh, I do like the ending of the first one. I do like the ending of the second one. That's subjective. Well, everything's subjective right here. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I feel satisfied at the end of this third film, so, but I see your point. Well, of course. And again, I wasn't necessarily speaking my own opinion. I'm just trying to, you know, pull together what it seems like popular opinion is, not necessarily my own opinion. Um, of course. And uh, yeah. it seems like, yeah, people were like, yeah, the ending of part one was cool. The ending of part two was cool, perhaps. But I was bored before it got to the climax of the first two. But not that it was unfollowable, unless, again, you get disengaged because you're not you're not yeah. engaged, because uh, you're bored. Um, but you're right. I mean, I agree. This one is more metaphysical, or I don't know what the word is. Esoteric. Yeah, it's definitely all that. But... Even though the first two are simple, they still, again, they don't appeal to the G-Fan community at large, I don't think. Um, yes, definitely. And I, I totally understand why. But for me, I'm just, I'm sucked in completely and I'm 100% on board. Because rather than point to The Last Jedi, I would point to, imagine if there was a Star Wars movie that, let's say, whatever the story was, it was super interesting, you know, like, whatever whatever the characters were discussing whatever they were reflecting on and it gave you new insights on the force and like we could watch and be like oh my god this is like profound so episode five i don't know but but let me finish so some star wars movie that had all this interesting stuff that expanded the lore and made you reconsider the force in a way you never have before and think about the jedi in a way you never have and blah 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 but the catch is this made-up star wars movie had no action or no action pieces. It was more just like a, a drama dialogue and characters sussing things mm-hmm. out. Now, there could be a, a fraction of us who could find this super interesting, but you could see how that would not be appealing to like the Star Wars fandom at large because there's a lot of casual people who just go to Star yeah. Wars movies because they're fun action sci-fi fantasy things 
they're not necessarily obsessed with Sith or Jedi or or lore or anything. They just want to be entertained by interesting characters and aliens and oh that speeder chase sequence or that whatever whatever explosions. Right. So imagine there was a Star Wars movie that had no real action set pieces, but it was just interesting dialogue and introspection. Yeah, some people might think, oh my god, this is groundbreaking for Star Wars, but it would probably be the you know the worst ever at the box office by a long shot and people would say please don't ever do this again it's probably how they'd react if such a thing exists sounds like dune part one and caleb's description of eternals Shin Godzilla. no i, I agree actually kind of to what you just said because i was kind of thinking about that in the back of my mind even though i mentioned that back in part one yeah and it's, it is interesting again maybe maybe the rail up uh kind of uh, era like maybe like a decade from now it's gonna be looked at kind of strangely it's like oh this is a more experimental period for god's oh, good i think it's already looked at like that yeah that is good <laughs> well after <laughs> singular point i could totally see why once it's kind of completed yeah and I'm, I'm curious how it's gonna look but we should probably get to the uh i was gonna say the main event but it's not the main event <laughs> but the oh yeah event. no it is well okay i guess it is but yeah fine. holy smokes i've heard about this yeah, there we go. Oh man, yeah. Okay, you guys still ready to move on? I'd still rather watch this than Son of Godzilla or whatever the last one was called <laughs> that we watched. All monsters attack. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'd. Oh god, I'd rather watch this trilogy any any day over those two. <laughs> oh boy, I swear, if somebody like got Gamera in this, I'd be laughing my head off. Randomizer's going right now. Let's see what we got. Working. Super Excellent. Working. Super Excellent. Wow. Uh, we're going back to the Millennium Era mm-hmm. after quite a while. And we're going to be doing Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Godzilla Me- against Mechagodzilla. Well, I'm trying. I don't think I've seen it yet for the Millennium Era. I'm excited. I think this one is the only one that has a direct follow-up in the Millennium Era. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, I think this one and Godzilla Tokyo SOS are kind of like a two-parter Ooh, so kind of like this one eh? interesting yeah glad we got that one first between the two of them but... hey that's that's still good <laughs> it's curious that we've stayed so far away from the heisei era all this time that we've only done one of those films so you far. know you do bring up a good point we've kind of alluded like one era and of like i mean we still have yet to see the first one that's the, that's the funny thing yeah we've done a couple showas we've done this, I think, will be our third Millennium Era one. And you know, I've only done one Heisei Era one. It's not even really the real Heisei Era. Because the 80s stuff is definitely not the bulk of that kind of period. So hopefully we'll get that soon. Because I'd like to check out some more of that stuff again sometime soon. And I think for you, Isaac, you, you've you only seen one of the Heisei Era films, right? Which, well, yeah, when did Zone Fighters come out? That was in the 70s. Okay, so that's Heisei, uh, oh, show. Pardon me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, one of the Heiseis. That was Return. Yep, that's the only one you've seen from that period. I guess that's the only one, and I enjoyed it a lot. So, uh, 
Yeah, I guess this is the bulk yeah. of everybody's childhood of where they saw, you know, a poorly dubbed movie of Godzilla in the 70s. So, well, Godzilla yeah. against Mega Godzilla is it's the 26th Godzilla film and when I started my viewing from the beginning of the of the um franchise, I left off on 24. So 24 was the last one I saw uh chronologically never saw 25 yet but so it's almost right where i left off is all i'm trying to say that's cool so you haven't seen uh was that the gmk one godzilla mothra king Ghidorah? correct that's the 25th so that would have been the next one i'm to watch Mm -hmm. and and actually i've seen all the godzilla movies now except for those remaining in the millennium era in particular um so Mm -hmm. yeah I just want to say I pulled that out of my ass. I'm surprised that I managed to get that because I'm pretty. <laughs> well, you, so. you pulled the right one out of your ass. <laughs> but yeah, here we go. Uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. I remember this being a good one. So I guess there we go. Who but, knows what that means? <laughs> hey, thanks again, guys, for yeah watching these three. I very, very much enjoyed it. And I think we had some fun discussions. Again, I I was so happy to get these. Love these films. Really enjoyed revisiting them, and I think we had some great discussions. So <laughs> excited to see what's next. Are we doing an order of like favorites when this is all over? Oh, uh, I I'm sure when we get to the end of all these movies, you only remember our order because it'll be probably that's, years. <laughs> I have to go back and that's the problem because like if I go back and rewatch every single one of them when we're done, like goodness, I don't even want to think of the ending because that's it's like something you don't want. That's a tangible. That's an intangible goal for me right now. Yeah, after our next film, we'll still have fifty more to go, so that'll be yeah, fucking forever. <laughs> We've not even made a dent, like not even ten percent of the stuff. That's insane. I mean, especially because I don't know your full list, but especially when there's only thirty six Godzilla movies in total, and the fact that you have fifty more to go, that's just insane. Yeah, it's anything related to Godzilla that directly relates, including like Isaac mentioned, Zone Fighter, which we haven't seen any of that show. Can't yet. wait for that. It's gonna be so much fun, and also King K. King K is in there as well. But, but yeah, I guess uh, tune in next time for Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. And uh, any last words? Yes. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, those between who have listened to us ramble on about this. I leave you with this. Hopefully in 2028, when I finally see Endgame, uh, it ends just like this movie did. Oh, because geez. this was a satisfying ending to me. So hopefully, um, because, you know, you have... I, I treat Infinity War and Endgame like as one property because there's like one single piece because there's no way like you can it's 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 a complete story with two it's just a two part that's all it is uh, so if you look at Avengers then Age of Ultron then like Endgame Infinity War uh, I hope that that ends with like a very cerebral introspective and uh, 2001 sequence. Mm uh because that that'd actually be a cool idea and that, then you can rebirth the universe like that or however i have no idea um that would have been oh great. god yeah. this awesome. is opening a whole different existential <laughs> can of worms but i leave yes i leave you with this go watch super friends after this incredibly incredibly intellectually stimulating conversation catch you guys later <laughs>